Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Feckin' Metal. I am your host, Fergal Trainer. What a milestone that is, 50 episodes. Uh, I'm delighted to still be doing this and still have an interesting guest and topics and episode formats for you in the year 2022, a podcast that started in 2020, still going on, still continuing. And thank you to you, the listener, for continuing to listen to Feckin' Metal. I don't say that often enough, and I do mean it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the continued interest in Feckin' Metal and the continued interest in older episodes as well. Uh, each time I look, I notice that people have been listening, going back, listening to the earlier episodes, the earliest episodes, and working their way through and continuing to listen to Feckin' Metal in the present day. And I really appreciate that. So thank you to you, the listener, for getting me and Feckin' Metal to episode number 50. Earlier on today, I had the distinct pleasure of speaking to Tony Martin, former Black Sabbath singer and solo artist in his own right, and he has been in the news recently for a multitude of reasons. The main reason he's been in the news recently is to do with the fact that his own solo album, Thorns, his first in a long time, was released on the 14th of January. This is a very heavy, heavy metal album, with Tony uh, singing lead vocals, and his voice remains intact from his days in Black Sabbath back in the 80s and 90s. The man can still sing, and he can actually still write a song as well. I wasn't too enthused after the release of the initial single, uh, the opening track of the album, but it gets better after that. I encourage any listeners to stick with the album, and there are really good songs in there on the actual album if you give it a proper listen. So I encourage you to give that a listen. It's much more of a Blaze Bailey's War Within Me than it is a K.K. Downing's Sermons of the Sinner. Put it that way. The other reason Tony Martin, or one of the other reasons Tony Martin has been in the news recently is because he announced himself through his Facebook page that he received contact from Tony Iommi's management who said to him that the Black Sabbath albums that he featured on, the long out-of-print albums such as Headless Cross, Tear, Cross Purposes and Forbidden are going to be reissued finally, uh, presumably this year, seeing as it's only in January now and the announcement has been made, um, are finally going to be reissued. A topic that came up many times in my own Black Sabbath series, Arc Sabbath on Vecan Metal, back in 2021. The fact that 80% of the albums that he sang on have been buried, have been made obsolete, have been essentially deleted from the Black Sabbath catalogue because they were never reissued. When everything else was being reissued, when Dehumanizer was being reissued, when all the original Aussie stuff was being reissued, the Ian Gillen album, the Glenn Hughes album even, even Tony's first album, Eternal Idol, because they were all on a different record company, of course. All of those albums have been reissued in multiple formats over the years. And poor Tony's albums from 1990 through 1995, that whole period of the band has been forgotten. Um, and there was some excellent stuff there. And there was an excellent live album as well, Cross Purposes Live and video. One would hope that the live video will make the reissue package as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bloody shame that this music has not been available for a long time. This man was on more Black Sabbath albums than any other singer other than Ozzy Osbourne. And he wasn't too far off Ozzy's total either. So he was on five studio albums. Ozzy Osbourne was on nine. Uh, Ronnie James Dio only made three. And everybody else was just on one. Uh, unless you count, of course... Uh, the Devil You Know, which would make Ronnie James Dio's total four anyway, but, you know, I'm splitting hairs here. Tony Martin was on a considerable number of Black Sabbath's studio output, 25% of it, if you count The Devil You Know. And his albums have not been available to listen to, unless you want to go and listen to YouTube and watch a, a full 40-minute video of an album, which you can't put the phone down on the table while you're listening to, because then it'll fucking 
go dark and you'll lose the flow of the song or you can't go out of the window the bloody music is playing because it's on youtube and youtube is not optimized for that and that's a bloody shame and it's really annoying and it's it's very annoying that this music is not available on streaming services now if you're like me and you have some of these albums you can go and save them to your phone and you can go and make a playlist of them and you can import that through the local files setting into spotify but again like this music is not available to the masses, and it's a bloody shame. And it's about time that, that it has been made available, because there's some really good songs on those albums. If you listened to Ark Sabbath, you'll probably be in agreement that Tony Martin's era, his period, his time in Black Sabbath, was not without noteworthy tracks. It was not without greatness. And I was glad to hear that news recently on Tony's Facebook page, and I was hoping that he'd still be able to make this interview, because I started speaking to Tony Martin back in May of 2021. I finally actually made proper contact with him in June of 2021. And I wanted him to appear on Ark Sabbath, the Black Sabbath series that I was running last year in 2021. Uh, I thought having an actual singer's input who was around at the time, having a, a person who was in the band, having their input would have really solidified, really kind of made these episodes a bit more credible. And it would have been a unique slant because everyone else was just a commentator. Everyone else was just passing their opinion of what happened. But to have somebody that was actually involved would have elevated the whole thing. Unfortunately, Tony was on interview lockdown. Uh, his management basically told him from June onwards, don't do any interviews until your new solo album comes out. So he basically told me this. He said, look, I'm, I've been advised by the record company. I cannot do any interviews. Please keep in touch and we will arrange an interview at some point. And there was no real release date for the album for a long time. And I messaged him once or twice, and then he actually messaged me out of the blue, and he's like, not long now, hold tight, we will get an interview. And we eventually settled on doing one today, on the 21st of January. And I then I didn't hear from him for a while, and my messages, like I was only contacting him on Facebook Messenger, and my messages hadn't even delivered, like they were just getting the, the white tick, not even a blue tick. And I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, and in the meantime, since we arranged the date to do the interview, the news had broken about the Sabbath stuff. And alongside his solo album, I, I assumed his phone would be ringing off the hook and that maybe he wouldn't have time to do an interview with little old me on feckin' metal. But as a man of his word, he honoured his commitment. Honoured his commitment from June 2021 and did an interview with me on feckin' metal. So, Tony, thank you. I really appreciate that. I said that to him at the end of the episode, but I'm saying that again here. Uh, it's, it's quite heartening when somebody who probably has a lot of offers many of which are probably more mainstream or more interesting or for platforms that are more popular or more widely known than feckin' metal. When people who have such options decide to still honour their commitment and to still appear on a small podcast such as mine, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate their time. So, thanks, Tony. Thank you for doing that. It was a great interview, and I will play that shortly. Another thing I'm introducing on Feckin' Metal in 2022 is the Metal Quest segment. This is a quest to find new music, both new to me, as in bands that have been around for a long time, and truly new, as in bands who have been around since 2010 onwards. I explained the format back on last week's episode, and I asked you, the listener, to provide me suggestions about what to call this, because I can't call it Metal Quest, that's a term already in use, and I had a multitude of suggestions from you, and thank you for those. And I'm going to go with one from George Solano, who is one of the two hosts on the Metal Gods podcast, a podcast dedicated to Judas Priest, part of the Deep Dive podcast network, uh, along with Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Maiden A to Z, um, Lap of the Pods, and the Magicians podcast, and various other podcasts as well. 
and it's called Ferg's Quest. Now, initially, I was hesitant to to call it that because I don't refer to myself as Ferg, although many people do call me that. My family, my girlfriend, to name but two categories of people in my life who call me that. Um, and George calls me that as well, so that's fine. Uh, but I was hesitant to call it that because I was like, I don't refer to myself as Ferg. But then I thought, it's unique. Nobody else is calling anything Ferg's Quest. Nobody else is using the acronym, or not the acronym, nobody else is using the abbreviation Ferg for anything, really, in media, in heavy metal, or anywhere else. And I'm going to spell it F-E-R-G, even though my name is spelled F-E-A-R-G-H-A-L, as well you know. So, this segment, which will be introduced by that piece of music that I played for you last week from Kyle McNeil, specially composed piece of music, specially commissioned piece of music, I'm going to introduce that segment on every episode where it is going to be played with that piece of music. It's going to be called Ferg's Quest. And in that quest, we will strive to discover new music. New music that's new to me and new, <laughs> and new music that's genuinely new. Sorry, I'm going overkill on this promotion here. Let me know how you feel about this. Let me know if you think it works in this episode because the majority of this episode, about 50 minutes, is going to be based on an interview I did with Tony Martin earlier today. And the remainder then is going to be me talking about the music of the Swedish band Heavy Load and the Swedish band Nestor. Let me know if you think this fits, if it's awkward, if its placement maybe is not required on an interview-based episode, which is realistically what most of my episodes are. And let me know maybe if, if the format maybe needs adjusting. This is a trial period of Ferg's Quest, but I will definitely be pursuing this quest in 2022. The format maybe is to be confirmed, to be determined. But for now, the first part, the first installment of Ferg's Quest is going to be added to the end of this episode. And that will feature two Swedish bands, one called Heavy Load, who ran in the 70s and 80s, disappeared for a long time and got back together in 2018. And another, Nestor, who technically were around a long time ago, but realistically have only emerged onto the scene in 2021. I've kind of muddied the waters already based on the rules of this, but fuck it. Nestor are my new band, and Heavy Load are new to me, as in they've been around for a long time. Anyway, before all that, here is my interview with Tony Martin, which I conducted earlier today. I hope you enjoy. Tony, thanks a million for joining Feckin' Metal. Uh, I really appreciate it. You're a busy man these days. Oh, yeah. It's going crazy at the moment. And to top it all off, obviously you've got a new album out, which I'm going to talk about now in a second, but you've also uh, released some news recently as well about the long-awaited reissue of your albums that you did with Black Sabbath, the ones that were on IRS and were out of print for years. Um, mm. made an announcement there the other day that they are actually going to be reissued as well. So loads of different Tony Martin-related news. And I only found out the other day, I mean, because I didn't know what they were doing with all that stuff, and the phone tends to go dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking to um, Sabbath, they don't speak to you for months and months and months and months, and then they suddenly appear with some news. So yeah, the other day they sort of turned up and said, "We've got a record deal for your album." So oh shit, right? Well, okay. Right, right. Um, so yeah, going to be I a lot of jump ahead. Months. Yeah, because I want to talk to you first about your new album, and then we'll go into maybe Sabbath. If that's okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. All right. So um, you've got a new album out. It's called Thorns. It was out there on the 14th of January. And this oh. was written in conjunction with Scott McClellan. Uh, it took about 10 years for you to actually release this. I've just piecing this all together from recent interviews you've done. Um, and you you were writing songs with Scott McClellan, who you found on Facebook, you mentioned. Now, 
to me, that's very interesting. And you've mentioned this in a couple of interviews recently. Um, I found you on Facebook, uh, obviously, but we haven't written an album yet together yet. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, what happened with Scott? Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, well, it was a long time ago, and uh, this dude suddenly started sending me guitar riffs, and uh, I didn't know him, um, and he actually didn't realize who I was at first, and he started sending this stuff. Then he sent another one, he sent another one, he sent another one. Wait a minute, who is this dude? So I got in touch with him and said, um, do you, you want me to sing on this stuff, or, or what? I said, yeah, brother, it's yours, use it, do whatever you want. So, okay. Yeah. So I sort of said, okay, here's the deal. Um, I cut it up put all the riffs where I want them to make my voice work and um, I'll send it back to you. So we sent the first one, which was as the world burns, which yeah. is, you've probably seen the lyric video for that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everybody was like, Whoa, that's really good. So I said, okay, don't tell anybody. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell anybody, <laughs> nobody. And so then we sort of decided to work on the rest of the guitar riffs and the stuff that I already had. Yeah. And then um, assemble it from there because the album had already begun a few years earlier and mm. it was going to be called Book of Shadows. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of in that um, unplugged but still heavy sort of genre. Mm -hmm. But now we got this heavy stuff going. Then I was like, oh no, what do I do now? Uh, I've got to decide which direction to do. And I, I just said, you know what? Let's put it all on. I'll just put it all on the album. And it worked great, really, really cool. Mm. So I'm very happy with it. Scott is a, a you know a great guy to work with. It's very easy um, to work with. He lets me cut it up and put things wherever I want. And um, that's important because for my voice to sound like Tony Martin, my head <laughs> has to get round it. If my head's saying no, I don't like this, then my voice just doesn't work. So yeah, um, it's important to me to have the music in the right place. Um, which he does. And, uh, you know, he's he's a great uh, guy as well. Very humble and um, really cool. So we hit it off, really. Very good. So looking at the lyrics of that song, it kind of jumped out at me. I was listening to it there the other day and uh, it's like, uh, you was wrong, 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 wrong. Uh, and you say you was a few times in it. And I'm like, is this kind of a, a Londoner kind of speaking here? He's like, you was wrong, mate. Uh, or... <laughs> <laughs> um, not quite. No. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, this a lot of the stuff on here is still old school, you know, God and the devil type stuff. Yeah. I'm not particularly um, a religious person myself, but the yeah. story God and the devil, it, it still goes, you know, and if you get a story around it, you can still make it work. Um, this one, As the World Burns, really is about the devil being bored. <laughs> mm. He's sort of sitting there going, I told you this would happen. You knew I was here. I don't need any more whores. I don't need any more souls, but they keep yeah. coming and keep coming. And that many souls sort of fall into hell that it looks like the world is burning. Um, mm. um, that's the kind of basic story around that one. Nice little ballad, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I know it's quite good. Uh, it stood out at me. Um, what else stood out? Actually, I have a couple of ones here. So Thorns, I think, is actually the title track is fantastic. Um, mm. And Book of Shadows is really good. Um you mentioned something there, like that was going to be the name of the the album uh, on another interview, and you said it sounded too similar to Book of Souls, so you decided to change that. Is that something that crosses your mind when you're titling tracks, when you're titling an album? Excuse me, if somebody else has released something that ha sounds similar or, or has the same name, does that immediately then put you off that idea? Um, it, well, it should, 
because like if you're treading on somebody else's toes, well, firstly, they're not going to like it. But also it sort of um, shows a slight lack of imagination if you can't, <laughs> if you can't mm. come up with your own title, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I do try to um, make it different or sound different. But I mean, music is one of the hardest things to avoid because there's only eight notes in a musical scale. And there are millions of songs. Yeah. You know, so how how there aren't more similar sounding songs just baffles me. It's so fascinating. But do, do you know what? It's funny you mention that, actually, because lately you've seen the likes of Led Zeppelin getting sued for Star Wars yeah. Heaven. Um, there was a famous thing with Iron Maiden there where they ripped off bits of a song. And uh, it seems to be happening more and more. People are taking people to court over um, notes and yeah. uh, musical pieces in songs. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, are all the good bits used now? Has, has, has everybody used them up now? I, I don't think so. Thorns is out, and that's brilliant. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is it is hard, but it's not impossible. And the reason for that, and it's actually mathematical. I mean, if you have eight notes, then the second one could be eight times eight, and the third one could be eight times eight times eight, and then the fourth one, eight times eight times eight. And it's just the the variations are incredibly large. So mm. you can, with, you know, different styles and, and different lyrics and stuff like that, you can write new songs all the time. And it's still happening. So, you know, yeah, I think there's still more stuff to come. Um, music is a fascinating thing. And I think it's, at the moment, it's the light in our world at the moment where we need music in times like the COVID thing where, you know, yeah. people can't get out and about and they're stuck. So you can always put on a great album and, and uh, take the hours away for a bit. So I still think it's important, valid and new, you know. Yeah. yeah. Very good. And it, so you were saying this album took about 10 years to write. With like with albums like that, you know, there's some famous examples, ones that were knocking around for a long time and I mm. think it may be Chinese democracy or something from Guns N' Roses. And, um, do you, were you worried then about a lack of coherence with the songs if some of them were written maybe in 2012 and then some of them were written more recently? Was that a concern of yours at all? With this set of songs, I wasn't concerned. In fact, we were, I was so um, confident with them that that's why I told everybody to keep it quiet and not say anything. Um, it stood the test of time just for 10 years that I've known the album and people are loving it now. So um it, it i think it's got legs you know i think it's got um a future and and i think the album itself is an album you know it seems like in recent years people have forgotten to write an album where you can sort of download one or two songs yeah um now i i think it's nice to remind everybody what an album could be I mean, there used to be a, a, um, a skill, actually. You used to have people that worked out the running order of an album, and they would yeah. put, you know, we're going to have a fast one first, and then we'll have, like, a rocky one. Then we'll have a slow one, and then we'll sort of, you know, do that kind of thing. That doesn't tend to happen quite in the same way these days. So I, I've enjoyed doing that. But did yeah. you notice they're all in alphabetical order? Yeah, I did, actually, yeah. Um, and I was wondering why that was. Is there any particular logic behind that, or is it just... No, you know what? It's a complete accident because the you know when you work we use computers to record these days. Yeah. And so you know when you put your files in a folder, the computer sits in alphabetical order, right? Yeah. It was years before I noticed. I was working on these songs yeah. in that order, and I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> they're all in alphabetical order. That's that's freaky. So yeah. 
it worked so well. I thought, well, we've got to keep that. I don't think anybody else has done that. Um, and it just followed really well. So I kept it, you know. But I'm not sure the next one will be like that. I'm curious now to find out if Very it'll good. happen again. Um, so you mentioned you probably won't tour because it's very difficult to get a band together um, to do a few kind of gigs around the place. But is that something you miss, the live performance? I know you had your um, Headless Cross band, you were doing some gigs here and there. Mm. Uh, but it, it's like, obviously, recording an album is one component. Touring and playing on stage is another component. Uh, which is more important to you? and Which do you like more, actually, is a good question. Um, well, uh, it is a good question. Um, I've been in the studio for the past 25 years, um, and that's just the way my career went. Um, yeah. My life took me that way rather than uh, as a touring band. And I do regret not keeping a band. I mean, I, if I go out on the road now, I have to create a band. I have mm. to hire the musicians um, if they're available, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, so it is harder for me to get out on the road uh, just because of the way my life went. I mean, the studio thing is not a bad thing. I've, I've, I've done a lot of work in the studio. I think my voice is now on 75 or 76 albums and projects now. Yeah. Um, guesting for people or doing the odd appearance here and there. So I have been working constantly. It's mm. just that not having a band then means uh, it's not automatic that you can get out on the road. So I do have to think about that, and I do want to get back out there. I miss it. And like I said, it is a bit of a regret that I didn't have a band, but um, it's not completely the end of the world. Uh, and as soon as the COVID thing sort of eases up, um, we, we have to think more about that. But at the moment, you know, if our country sort of says, yeah, you can go. And then, I don't know, France or Germany says, no, you can't come here. Uh, it just means in, impossible to plan anything, you know. Sorry, so you were talking about playing live. Okay, yes. Yeah. So basically, it's kind of messy putting together a band, um, and your 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 life basically your life's work has taken you into the studio. So I mean, your last real solo album properly was Scream back in two thousand and five. Yeah. And you've I know you've made a lot of appearances on a lot of other people's albums and stuff. But is that is that sustaining your livelihood? Is this your full time job and that's what you do? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Studio. I'm a singer songwriter, mm. and um, the studio life became my thing uh, um it, it's uh it, it's worked for me i mean I, I i feel comfortable in the studio and i'm happy being there mm. uh, like i said i mean i do miss being on the road it's not it's not like it's um something i don't want to do but uh it's just harder to get out there in the first place and um make it work because you've got to start right from the beginning i mean sure. compare that to something like black sabbath which is a huge machine yeah it's got everything is in place and you know it's all organized and set up for that um i'm at the opposite end of that just because i i my life took me as into the studio as a singer songwriter um but uh yeah like i said i do uh, it is something that's at the front of my mind and i do want to get back out there so once the covid thing it won't be this year yeah you know it's going to be next year at least um, and we're already writing the next album so hey i mean if, if we had if we wrote two albums and two of both of them i don't know it, it could turn out something like that couldn't it i don't know well there's a full set list for you there um so you mentioned though like that you you were a singer songwriter you 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 work in a studio like when you're not writing an album for yourself a tony martin album where how does the work find you um 
what does it do do people contact you and ask you to participate in something do you contact people how does the work get to you uh, that's a, a good question i mean uh, uh, to be honest i i'm i've got a name that is reasonably well known and people find me hmm. um usually though <laughs> people call me and say i've got the perfect song for you and i sort of say no you haven't because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what is in my head yeah and in fact you know i've said this a few times inside my if you could step inside my head it's a nightmare in there it's a it's a curse because of all of these different styles of music and different sounds and instruments that i play you know, from oh, well, everything, bass, drums, guitar, keyboards, yeah. violin, even some bagpipes. <laughs> like right. All sorts of stuff going on in my head. And so I have to, I have to, my mind won't let me sing straight in any one particular uh, direction. So, um, yeah, people find me. Um, they usually want me to sing like Tony Martin stuff on their so, and there is there is a reason for that. I mean, they want to sell their records, and <laughs> if they've got a name, sure, yeah, I, I do understand. It's a you know, it's a two way thing. <laughs> um, I'm not oblivious to the reasons of it, but um, yeah, they tend to find me, and then it all depends uh, if it works for me, if the music is cool and the lyrics are okay. If not, I'll write my own. Um, sure, and then you, if, you know. You've, you've talked about the importance of melody and the importance of telling stories. I've heard you yeah. on recent interviews, a beginning, a middle and an end. And to me, as a listener of music, melody is certainly it's the most important thing. But a coherent story and something you can sink your teeth into and um, rewards, re-listens. That's um, the type of song that I quite enjoy. Yeah. Why is that so important to you, having a beginning, a middle and an end? Like a lot of rock songs, the lyrics are kind of gibberish. Right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, it's real. Um I, I cannot stand uh, songs that don't make sense. It, it just, I get turned off by it, you know, and, and um, again, my head, it, it's its a curse for me because my head won't allow me to sing waffle. I just i just can't sing throwaway lyrics. It, it doesn't work. And in fact, I've noticed over the years that even some words don't fit with some notes. Um, if I could change the note or change the word, then it, it'll work. Um, but it's it's also become something that people know me for. Mm. Um, they know me for the, the lyrical thing. But I'm not a poet, you know. I can't. I don't sit down and write poetry. Yeah. It's it's um, the influence can come from a lot of different places. And at the moment, working with Scott, he gives every riff a name, and sometimes yeah. that name can give you an inspiration, you know, to to work from. Um, and I'm quite good at assembling stories and uh, lyric uh, content, lyric lines and things. So, um, yeah, it is important to me. But I, I, I've also learned that that's why people like what I do. Sure. So when you're saying he gives every riff a name, are we talking like Nigel, Mary, uh, Susan, or is it like <laughs> something that the song you know, sounds like? Do you know what? If he, if he gave me a song that had that title, I'd try it. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> okay. Um, do you... I'm not sure what rhymes with Susan, though. <laughs> and then do you, do you like... Um, so, so somebody's coming to you, like, are you bored of talking about Black Sabbath? Do you mind talking about Black Sabbath still? No, I don't mind. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't haunt me. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's an important part of my career because that's the reason why uh, people out there, you and everybody else, knows my voice. And so 
Um, I am grateful, and I, I um, it's been an honour to have been part of that story. Mm. Um, so, but I, I don't go around talking about it all day, every day. It's just, but yeah, I mean, if people ask me, then I'm happy to talk about it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions because it would be silly not to really. Um, uh, when you're talking about riffs and uh, let's say Scott coming to you with riffs, is that the way you and Tony wrote music? Did Tony Iommi come to yeah. you? Were you his writing partner on those albums that you wrote together? Yes, very similar. It's ever right. so similar. And um, in some very, very similar ways. I mean, Tony Iommi is very prolific and um, his riffs make musical sense. And the same with Scott. He's just so prolific i reckon he's got his brain is permanently plugged into a martial rack somewhere <laughs> but he's got um, the same kind of flow uh, riffs come out of him uh, amazing um so there is that similarity um uh, tony iomi was if anything slightly more uh oh how would you say uh, he's experienced and so he knows what to leave out um, the thing with Scott at the moment, he's <laughs> he just puts everything in. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I have to take it out. <laughs> right. And then so like everyone's heard of Tony Iommi has this box of riffs or he has hundreds yeah. of riffs and he just needs to settle down and do something with them. He's been saying this for a long time. And mm -hmm. um, is that the kind of way he approaches an album? Does he come up to you with like 50 riffs and go, here you go, Tony, which ones do you like? Or does he go, here is a riff for like The Shining and say, do you like that? Can you write some lyrics to that? Well, I know you didn't write the lyrics to The Shining, sorry, but like for, uh, just no. as an example. I mean, the, you're right. The the Eternal Idol or the Eternal Idiot, as we call it, um, he's he that was already written. Yeah. So really, I I only had to sort of sing that. The lyrics were already written, which was cool actually, because I had when I first got the job, I had no idea what I was going to do. So that album gave me a chance to learn and uh, find out what this whole thing was about. Then from Headless Cross, obviously, then that's me. Yeah. Writing the lyrics and the melodies. But he, Tony Iommi, he does have these boxes and boxes of tapes and stuff. Mm. And you go through them, you sit there at his house and you go through these tapes playing, you know, all of these things. And in the end, he says, ah, fuck it. You know what? Let's just write some more. So then he writes some more and they go in the box. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. So like it's, it, I've, I've heard him say that as well in interviews that like <clears throat> instead of actually using the ones in the box, this mysterious box, he, he ends up writing new stuff. Will the box ever open up? Is that is the question I wonder, like, or are, are, are they just sitting there forever? Um, and like when he goes to write, like, let's say like when you went to write um, Headless Cross, which you obviously did write the lyrics for, is he coming up with new stuff? Or you got, or was it mainly listening to tapes or was it more mainly new riffs? No, it's kind of what it usually, well, when I was there anyway, it usually yeah. started with this um, collection of tapes that he has. Um, but very often you would get into the uh, studio, the rehearsal room or something like that. And then they would just start jamming new ones. Mm. At the time, I had um, an eight track uh, recording uh, machine. So I used to just switch this thing on. There'd be a microphone in front of everybody, and then I'd just switch this thing on and let it run. Um, I've got literally hundreds of uh, tapes that have got all of the rehearsals, you know, of everybody just playing, jamming, pulling riffs together. Mm. And then eventually, you probably only end up with, you know, one or two riffs that were out of his collection, and then the rest were new ones. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it was never a predictable thing mm. with Tony Iommi, but it's always a great thing. I, you know, he's at the top of his game. I love, you know, seeing people at the top of their game. It 
Cozy Powell, he was at the top of his game. You know, fantastic just to be in their company and working with people like that. Mm, yeah, I was I was reading what you posted up on Facebook earlier about uh, Tony Iommi telling you that Cozy was joining, or oh. he was going to come in for a, a bit of a, a jam. <laughs> what a day! I mean, I, I I was just I was stunned. I was absolutely because Cozy Powell had been a thing for me. You know, like you know, 1971 is where all the rock thing started for me. But then as it sort of grew, Cozy Powell appeared. I was just uh, uh, gobsmacked. You know, at this yeah. uh, thing. And um, I didn't even know really what to make of it, but I just knew I loved it. And then, <laughs> sure enough, when I eventually got the job with Sabbath and Tony Iommi told me, he said, uh, I've asked Cozy to come around uh, and play. And I was just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Cozy, that, that, Cozy Powell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if it was like normal. I'm yeah. going, it's not normal. <laughs> Very funny. You know. And um, so, like, thinking down about, okay, so let's just go back to the Eternal Idol for a second. Like, so that was, you yeah. know, with, with Ray Gill and, and uh, that didn't work out. He was replacing um, Glenn Hughes and, you know, um, and that didn't work out either. And then they had an album written. They had the songs written, uh, most of them anyway, at least. And uh, they asked you to come in. Did you feel mm-hmm. handcuffed in any way or were you just delighted with the opportunity to go and sing in Black Sabbath? Uh, well, I, I enjoyed being handcuffed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever you're into. <laughs> um, no, honestly, it was it was the best thing for me uh, to be told. Uh, they said, "Don't change any lyrics. Don't don't change the music or anything. It, like we haven't got time to rewrite anything. It's just good. we've only got to do it now." So mm. they gave me a week to sing the whole album, and so it, it was really cool for me, so that I didn't have to really what's the word make a fool of myself. Yeah trying um and it did give me a chance to learn so yeah it was kind of being handcuffed but at that point uh, it, i think it was the right thing to do sure. you know so that i could find my voice find my feet uh sort of kind of get settled in although you never quite really settled in with, with sabbath <laughs> um but yeah um it was it was restricted but in the right way i think and then when, when it came to writing lyrics for the Headless Cross onwards, um, there's a lot of references to the devil, Satan, Lucifer, <laughs> that type of stuff on there. Was that like, was that you saying, this is Black Sabbath, I should be writing songs that feature Satan in them? Or what, like it, it seems to feature on nearly every song. What was the thought mm. process behind that? Um, basically, I, I couldn't allow myself, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier on, um, I couldn't allow myself to do what somebody else had done. Yeah. Okay. So, like the Aussie stuff, I mean, Paranoid is about Geezer Butler's girlfriend, apparently. <laughs> right. You know, um, and they'd sort of sung about Iron Man, and it's all very related to the um, the comic book uh, things, you yeah. know, of the day, anyway. Sci-fi uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Ronnie James Dio's thing was all the fantasy, um, uh, what you call it, mysterious uh, lyrics. So I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of came up with this idea of, of doing themes and Headless Cross was about English history. Um, Tear uh, was about Viking mythology. And I was thinking, oh, I could go with this. You know, I could you could choose almost anything around the world. Samurai warriors. You could do I don't know, yeah, yeah. Indians of America. You could do anything. Yeah. And that's what I was starting to think. Well, mm. You, if you think of Black Sabbath, I mean, you're not going to sing about sunny days and flowers, are you? So, 
um it was like okay let's make it dark yeah. uh choose a theme and uh see what comes out well uh, my mind just started running with it and um and, and that's the direction it took it, okay. it, it became you know uh, quite a thing with uh the fans they uh, really latched onto it for some reason they like death <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of death and devils and Satan's going on in that one. Uh, but, you know, we're I'm not like particular. as I said, I'm not particularly a God-fearing person, but, um, you know, the fans were picking up on that God yeah. and the devil theme, you know, so I, I just kept running with it, really. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you a question about a specific song? So there's been a rumour, and I don't know if you're actually going to give me an answer to this or not, but is the song Devil and Daughter about Don Arden and Sharon Osbourne? <laughs> no, actually. No? No, it's not. All right, okay. No, um, I, I was uh, fascinated. What did I see? I saw something. Um, uh, uh, was it not Sapphire and Steel? I can't remember now. I saw something which uh, gave me this idea of, of the, the devil having a daughter. Who would that be? I don't even know what that, who that would be. And um, then I thought, wow, what havoc could they wreak? If, <laughs> you know, if there was a... A devil and a and a, a and woman devil, mm. <laughs> you know. It was just a it was just a story that I came up with in my head, but it was based on. I wish I could remember. I'll think about that, and if I can remember, I'll let you know. But I, right. I saw something that triggered that. But no, it, it wasn't about them. No. Okay, just the, it's the lines like, um, what is it? Uh, she's hot, evil, and ready to take any man. Yeah. Devil and daughter. He's got the power. She's got the pain. Devil and daughter. <laughs> She'll break you know, any woman and take any man. I mean, I now you've mentioned it, I mean, you could, couldn't you? <laughs> well, you, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of uh, lyric rumours around uh, Black Sabbath songs and what they're actually about and stuff. So I, I had to ask of you course, about that one. Of course, and, and there is for a lot of these things, you know, they're, because they're not particularly based on real things, uh, more so in the tier and cross purposes, there was more reality in those. But um Headless Christ, no, it was just English history and, um, you know, themes, really. Yeah. I look, okay, so it's a, it's a shame we never got to see that um, Japanese kind of mythology or uh, history album, like about Samurais yeah. or whatever might have happened had you stayed. But, of course, we all know after Tear uh, and the Tear tour that yeah. Geezer Butler went to see uh, a Dio show. Um, and the two of them got talking and they decided, mm. uh, along with Tony Iommi, let's reunite the... Uh, the Mob Rules era lineup yeah. of Black Sabbath and uh, Tony Martin was uh, given his his walking papers. Um, how, how did you feel at the time when you were ousted like that? Do you know what? It was a complete surprise. Yeah. I, I didn't see that coming at all. In fact, I was walking out the door to go to rehearsals to write the next album. And my manager called just literally as I was walking out the door. And I just managed to pick up the phone and it was him and he said, uh, you better sit down, kid. And I was, why? He says, they don't want your services anymore. I said, you kidding? I'm just walking out the door to go to rehearsals. Mm. He said, no. said, they've just called me. I said, well, what's that about? Why? Yeah. why? I just had no idea that was coming. So, yeah. yeah, it was a shock and it took a while to sort of sink in, you know. But it wasn't too long before they called me. Well, Tony Iommi called me and, and said, uh, it's not going very well here. Um, mm. uh, can you come back? And I, went, I can't actually. <laughs> I'm doing my own solo album yeah, now, yeah. which is back where I belong. Yes, but well, like business stuff aside, like were, were your feelings hurt at the time, like that you could just be discarded so easily? 
having done two albums, three albums with them at that time. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, you, I thought we'd done some good work and, and it was starting to get a good response. Now, I, I'm not surprised if you think about it, if you want to pick up the ball there and run with it, then you've got, so you would start thinking, oh, wow, this is going good. Okay, so how can we make it better? So then I can see why they would think of uh, Dio getting him back in. But it, as soon as they got together again, there were some issues. I don't know what the issues were, but um, they asked me to go and retry uh, mm. this whilst they were recording that. And I, I did try. Mm. I went down there and had a listen to the songs and stuff. And I, I put a few vocal things down, but I said I would need to rewrite you know, the thing. And I said, we don't have time. We've got to just do this. Yeah. So, okay, the best thing to do is carry on with Ronnie. And then call me after, and then maybe we can do something. And that's what happened. We ended yeah. up doing the the cross purposes thing. But they, as soon as they got together, Tony said it was it just <laughs> it just started going wrong somehow, you know. Yeah. And so, like, uh, it's, it's kind of been documented now, and a few people have asked you recently as well about you did at least sing on some tracks yeah. for Dehumanizer during a brief period when you went back. Uh, do you? Is there anything specific you know that exists from that time that's on a, on a cassette somewhere? Um, I've got just a couple of dodgy um, cassette recordings of uh, uh, stuff, you know, but it's certainly not worth putting out on any um, album or anything like that. But I'm absolutely confident that anything that I did uh, will have been erased. I, I just I just know that it won't exist. Mm. Um, any, any any track names or is that top secret information? Um, well, when you're writing songs like that at the time, you don't particularly have track names. Um, yeah. Especially working with Iomi, it, it was just like riff in A, yeah, <laughs> fast yeah, yeah, riff yeah. in okay. A, slow yeah. riff in A. Yeah. Um, whereas when I just said earlier on, working with Scott, I had a name. That didn't happen earlier on. So uh, what the songs turned into, uh, you'd have to work it out, really. Uh, if I went back and sort of listened to it, could probably find out, but. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure nothing exists now. So there's not going to be a super duper dehumanizer uh, reissue with Tony, uh, Mar- Tony Martin singing Time Machine anytime soon. No, like, I just really, I, honestly, I don't believe there's anything hanging around. Uh, and especially because, you know, Dio at the time, if, if he came across anything, he'd, he'd chuck it in the river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's fair enough, right? Uh, I think it's kind of one of those fan dream things. Like, I don't know yeah. if you're aware of the website uh, black-sabbath.com. Um, it's the like the biggest kind of fan Black web, Black Sabbath website. Mm. Uh, but I spoke to the curator of that, Joe Sigler, and that's like top of his list uh, of stuff he's never heard but would love to hear is Tony Martin singing on whatever it was that may have gone on to Dehumanizer. Had, I mean, uh, you will have seen me or heard me on tour singing Dehumanizer, um, you know, so you will have an idea of what it might have sounded like uh, just because of the shows that we did with the, the songs in it. So, yeah, um, you know, it, it could have turned out like that. Uh, my voice uh, hasn't changed a great deal. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm old and I'm 65 years old now. Yeah. Um, so um, it, it does change a little, but not in the character of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I'd like I'd like to know myself actually if there's any stuff kicking around. You probably know more than me. So it doesn't work out, Ronnie James Dio. That's well documented. You come back into the band and it's cross purposes. Um, yeah. Interestingly, the song "Cross of Thorns" is uh, inspired by a trip you had to Ireland, mm. where uh, somebody mentioned that phrase to you and it stuck in your mind and you decided to write a song about it. Uh, it's a unique kind of phrase uh, because you think "crown of thorns," you think of a cross, but you wouldn't put the two together like that. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, it was when we was with um, uh, Cozy Powell's Hammer, I was singing with him and we did a couple of shows uh, in Ireland, uh, north and south. Mm. And um, we were uh, being driven around uh, by the promoter. And at the time, we English were not very popular people. And I was saying, you know, are we, are we all right here? And he said, yeah, you're OK as long as you're with me and uh, just sort of stick together. So fine, fine. Anyway, the people were great. But why I was asking him what it felt like, um, you know, uh, between the two uh, halves of Ireland. And he said, it's like carrying a cross of thorns. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I could just picture that if you have, imagine carrying a crucifix, but it's made of thorns. You know, it's uh, a really unique phrase. Like, I, mean, yeah. I wonder, did it exist before or is this something that this guy came up with himself? But uh, yeah, it's he very, must, very unique. Yeah. He must have just had it in his mind. You know, it's like carrying a cross of thorns. What do you think it's like? Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Tony Iommi is known as a practical joker. You were obviously in the band for the longest of any other singer other than Ozzy. Mm. Did he play practical jokes on you? Is this the type of humor that you enjoy? Because personally, I really find practical jokes really annoying. <laughs> so. Yeah. It is annoying, and he was very good at it. Trouble is, he'd already had like 25, 30 years of practice. Yeah. So, like the practical jokes that he would put on you, nah, they, I mean, you could just never saw it coming most yeah. of the time. I mean, you'd, he'd wait for and it was not every time, but he would wait for you to check into a hotel or something. And when the lobby was particularly full, he would come up, sneak up behind you, and whip your trousers down. So you're like you're, you're bearing your ass to like everybody um, and stuff like, oh, come on, dude. You know? yeah. <laughs> Funny. So, yeah. OK, fair enough. Um, then, OK, so we had the announcement then that uh, those albums, like people have always been asking about them for the last several years. Like what's going on with, you know, Tear, Headless Cross, mm. um, Cross Purposes, uh, Forbidden. And uh, they've been out of print and you can't find them. They're not on streaming services. They're nowhere. You have to go looking for them if you really yep. want to find them. And you can find them on YouTube or whatever. But like it's it's they're buried. Some people have said some people have used the word buried to describe yeah. those albums. But very recently, only a couple of days ago, you posted on Facebook, like I said at the start of the interview there, mm. that um, Tony... Tony's management contacted you and said that there will be a reissue of these albums, which is great news to a lot of people. And mm-hmm. how did you feel about that when you heard it? Oh, it's cool. I mean, people ask me all the time, why can't you get this? Why can't you get it? Well, it, it's not got a record deal. Therefore, it's not on sale. Um, therefore, it's not earning royalties. I don't get a penny from Black Sabbath because it's not on sale. You don't yeah. get the thing unless it's, people are selling it. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's good news to know but also there's a there's a slightly deeper thing than that it, you know it's 10 years of black sabbath history <laughs> that's not out there i know yeah you know it's what i mean so like if well, i don't understand why you wouldn't want it out there unless it's a threat to somebody which i can't imagine why it would be but um mm. you know they've skipped it and skipped it and skipped it and there's a hole in the middle of like black sabbath's history where you know you can't uh, you can't get access to it Yes. So for yeah. that reason, I think it's cool. Not ne- you know only because it, it benefits me slightly, but you know it, it's to have that complete story now, so that, yeah. that you can get from one end to the other without having to jump a ten-year ravine. Yeah, I'd imagine that was really frustrating for you at the time, or for during that period of that's your kind of the most famous work you've done in your life, and it was not available yeah. anywhere. Yeah. 
it is and, and you have to say and you have to <laughs> you have to kind of re- remind yourself that you was actually there you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i did do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um okay so great news um would so let's say tony iomi contacts you i mean i know so here's another thing actually so he apparently he said to you that you can't where you, you can't record any new songs and release yeah. them under the name Black Sabbath. That to me is quite interesting because who owns the name and who owns what and who's le- legally allowed to do what with the name Black Sabbath has always been fascinating to me. Um, right. I've sp- spoken to different people about it on my podcast. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or speculative thoughts or anything or do you just? Yeah, I mean they want to they want to preserve the trademark. They want to um, preserve that um, Black Sabbath image that they know um from the originals you know and and i understand that um i still come back to the point that it's not only me i mean you know there's been about seven singers hasn't there in black Sabbath, ian gillen and ray gillen and yeah all sorts of people so glenn hughes um so it's not just cutting me out it's cutting everybody else other than the originals um which is slightly uh, i don't know restricting but um, I do understand, and um, if it if it was you, you would probably want to protect your trademarks and your uh, things. Um, what I do know is that it, it's not necessarily that one person owns the thing, but they've come to a deal and an arrangement between themselves that um, anything uh, new uh, can only be under the Black Sabbath name if the original members are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why uh, Tony did originally sort of say, hey, well, maybe we can write some new stuff. But then later on, he says, no, nah, we can't do it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of said it, it can own, we can't do anything under the Black South name. So it's, it's um, interesting like, because like when. When they got back together with Dio and they released the Black Sabbath, the Dio years, they mm. did record three new songs under the name Black Sabbath, which are the last three songs recorded under the name right, Black Sabbath yeah. until they got back together with Ozzy. But uh, in between Ozzy stints, there's a bit of Dio in there. And then uh, everything seemed to change after that. It was like, no, we're not allowed to do anything anymore now under yeah. that name unless it features Ozzy. Yeah, I do understand. Uh, Didn't they call it Heaven and Hell? Or they something? called it Heaven and Hell, but the compilation was released under the name Black Sabbath with three new songs with Ronnie James yeah. Dio on them. Um, anyway, um, okay, so good news anyway uh, about that. Any, do you have any particular time frame, or I suppose don't suppose that's been shared with you yet? No, it didn't give me a date, um, and I don't really know how much work they've done on the albums yet. Um, I know they've given Forbidden a makeover, mm. um, which is good. Because that's the least liked one out of all of them. But, um, <laughs> the other two, I think the first two, Headless Cross and Tear, would benefit from, you know, a, a revamp. Because in those days, we, we didn't have the technology really to be able to get the best out of it. And yeah. now we do. So I do hope that they've worked some on those. Um, Cross Purposes was pretty good. I mean, it yeah. had all of the all of the frequencies were in there and it, it was, you know, uh, definitely listenable to. So um, I'm eager to find out myself. I don't know much more than that they've got a record deal for it and um, it's definitely coming out this year. But what they did say uh, was that it wouldn't it be individual albums. It's it's going to be a box set. Yeah. You know, yeah. So um, that that to me is even more interesting because uh, box sets are like. Um, they're very enticing and appealing to fans. It's it's like yeah. it's kind of like you're, you're going to treat yourself. You're going to buy a big box of music, and if all of those albums came out like that, I mean, I'd say um, it, it's a very appealing package, especially something that's been hidden away or buried, as people have said for so long. So yeah, uh, 
definitely looking forward to that. You mentioned cross purposes there. I do want to ask you one quick question about the song Psychophobia. So you've mentioned in a couple of recent interviews that you only had one run in with Ronnie James Dio and he wasn't really impressed with you being there. And uh, it was kind of hostile, I, I'd even say, based on how you've told the story. And there's a song called Psychophobia on uh, Cross Purposes, which was recorded in 94 or 93, I think you recorded it maybe, but it was released in 94. Um, and you've said here, uh, my colors all ran dry and now I see the world in black and white. It's too late now. It's time to kiss the rainbow goodbye. I uh, wondered, is that a dig at Ronnie? I, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the song Psychophobia, this was more about the Waco, Texas thing, the cult yeah. that was happening with David Koresh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of that. But then, like, that's the, the drinking of the Kool Aid thing, isn't it? Yeah. And then, the, and then I sort of came across that phrase and I thought, hey, maybe I can slip that in. And, and as soon as I did it, I thought, oh, okay, I, I just know what people are going to say about that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not exactly uh, coded, <laughs> it's pretty up there in your face. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting little nugget. Um, so let let's say Tony Iommi contacts you tomorrow and says, "Look, we can go out under the name Eternal Idol or something, whatever." Um, would you drop everything and go and do that? Would that be your priority, or would you say, "No, I've got my own album out now. I'm doing stuff." Um, what uh, would you do? Would you would you go and do that? Like, would you go and do some shows with Tony? Would that be your priority if that were offered to you somehow? I'd certainly give it a try. Yeah. I mean, um, I am a, a multi-genre sort of working artist so um it doesn't make any sense to just to refuse it flat but i i can't see it happening mm-hmm. um personally I, I when i when i talk to tony uh, he he's very settled you know in, mm-hmm. in in his place in his life in his age he's he had a, a cancer scare a couple of years ago and yeah. um you know it, it looks like he's put his feet up and it, it it sounds like he's put his feet up you know it sounds like that the, he's not really interested on in doing a lot of touring and and i know they keep coming across the the reunion thing that with um bill you yeah. know there's the still that possibility well they're all still alive yeah you know yeah. my theory about that really is uh, well you know def leopard i mean they've got a one-armed drummer Mm. And they waited for him to build a drum kit that he could play with one arm. So yeah. if they can do that with him, I'm absolutely certain they could work it out with Bill if they yeah. wanted to. You know mm. what I mean? That's um, an interesting one. That I'm sure that's been going on for years on and off. Yeah. Bill, Bill coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. Um, I, I think I would. I'd give it a try. Well, not. I'm sure if you is it my priority? Well, not not priority, but it, you know, it's certainly something I would think about. Sure. Uh, it seems like. If they want to do anything Black Sabbath-ish, you're kind of the only man left that can do it. I mean, mm. Ozzy is, it appears that he's quite ill or he certainly has been in better health. Uh, Dio oh. unfortunately passed away. Glenn Hughes is busy doing his thing. Ian mm. Gillen isn't budging from Deep Purple anytime soon. I don't think he's going to see it his final days. So it seems like if there's any kind of version of Black Sabbath, even if it's not called that, it seems like you're the only person who's able to and would yeah. be able to do it well. And to me, I, like it's just a wish list thing. Um, I hope something happens. Personally. Thank you. I mean, I, 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 if if the call comes, I'll let you know, and um, <laughs> you know, you're invited to follow it through its stages. But uh, I can't see it happening. And I, I can't. But you never know. The, the music business is a weird, weird, uh, incestuous kind of, you know, 
upside down world and an almost spinal tap was it you know it's yeah 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 that sort of thing so you never know you just never know very good okay for but for the meantime you've got the new album thorns which is out um, yes it did. and i'm very pleased with it i'd just like to thank everybody for being part of that and um we need people like you you know to spread the word and um uh, tell everybody what we're doing so thank you as well um but yep. um you know people invite you into their homes and cars and headphones so yeah uh, i do appreciate it and um i hope people get to enjoy this one it's it's the best one i've done so far i think yeah i i had a quick listen to um scream and back where i belong i'd never actually listened to them before i had listened quite a lot to your stuff with black sabbath but mm. those albums were never really on my radar and this is quite different it's very heavy it's certainly yeah. a heavy metal album and it's it's like there's a lot of really good stuff on it actually um there's a lot of good stuff on there and it's great to see that you're still doing an album uh in 2022 um oh, 65 years old long may it continue thank you thank you brilliant stuff okay any final words um you don't seem to be on twitter or anything like that but if people want to reach you where should they where, where should they go looking for you no i'm a bit of a facebook whore uh, I, I tend to <laughs> like spend all of my time in on that platform um I did have um, my face and, you know, all the rest of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, I find it, um, I, what I found personally, anyway, is that I've got a following of people that um, are very, quite, really quite dedicated to what I do. And there's like 30,000 fans or something on Facebook, which is, it's not the biggest number in the world, but those fans that are there, Mm. I'm really quite interested in what what I do. So if I tell them, yeah, and they know where to put it elsewhere. So <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like word of mouth type thing, which I, I like that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's not really a, a thing for me to have WhatsApp and you yeah, know yeah. Twitter and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, so I'm I'm kind of happy just on Facebook. I I have got to get a, a website together um, uh, for various reasons. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, you'll, on social media anyway, you'll find me on Facebook. Okay, and people can actually buy the album directly from you. That's correct, isn't it? Well, I've only got a few copies right. of record label give me that I can sign. Okay, yeah, because I um, saw you selling some signed ones. Yeah, it's just like if you want one autographed, then the only place you can get that is from me. Um, there's two labels working on this. Um, there's an American label and there's an Australian label. The main label was um, Battle God. They were based in Australia and then it was licensed to Dark Star in America. Um, but obviously I can't go to America and sign the albums there and I can't go to Australia and sign the albums there. So well, no. <laughs> uh, they gave me a, a box of CDs and stuff and they said, OK, you can have those. And yep. then if somebody wants a signed one, then just you sell it from there. So that's what I've been doing. Excellent stuff. Well, look, Tony, thanks a million for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, best, best of luck with the album and the promotion and all Thank that you. goes with it. And uh, I hope to see you maybe in some capacity doing shows in the next couple of years. Whatever capacity that is, I will certainly prioritize it for me uh, to, be, to be in attendance. So I really appreciate it again. And thank you for uh, giving me your time today. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to talk to you, man. 
Alright, so that was Tony Martin, still releasing music in the year 2022. Fascinating. Uh, really interesting chat with Tony. I tried to steer it in a couple of different directions. To be honest, uh, I'm, I was off work sick today and um, I wasn't quite feeling myself. There were a couple of technical difficulties. I wasn't completely on top of my game. Uh, I've been better prepared for interviews in the past, I'll say that much, but I still think that actually went quite well, all things considered. So thanks again, Tony, for that. I really appreciate it. Maybe I'll chat to you again sometime in the, in the future. And I hope in some way, as I said at the end there, that you, you manage to uh, get out on the road with something, some band, somewhere. Hopefully Tony Iommi, we'll see. Anyway, I am going on a metal quest. Ferg's Quest, installment one. Um, so I thought, again, a kind of questy vibe. We're going on a quest. <laughs> Sorry. Right, so there's that beautiful piece of music, which is now going to be dubbed forevermore as Ferg's Quest Theme. And there's Toomey from Open Us, my second ever podcast uh, that I did with Toomey back in 2019, where um, the clip there features from an episode where we reviewed each other's musical choices, uh, our top played songs on Spotify for 2019. Um, Good memories, good times. So this is Ferg's Quest, this is installment one. We're looking at the band Heavy Load. And by way of introduction, I am simply going to read out the biography passage from metalarchives.com or Encyclopedia Metallum, as it's also called. If I were to say anything about the band myself, it would only be to paraphrase this little piece of info here anyway. So why not just read it out? This is an excellent resource for heavy metal if you're interested in a band if you want to learn more about them if you want to know their release history their discography members it is meticulously researched and kept up to date and it is a a resource i reference regularly especially when i'm interviewing a band and i want to make sure that i know that i'm mentioning that their first ep was released in 2011 but then they had a split single and then they had a a feckin' a demo and blah blah blah. It's brilliant. It's so meticulously researched and kept up to date. I highly recommend it. So this is the piece in the biography section about Heavy Load from Stockholm in Sweden, formed in 1976. Heavy Load formed in 1976 as a trio by the brothers Range Valquist and Steerbjorn Valquist with Michael Backlund. Apologies for butchering those names there, most likely. In 1977, they recorded their debut album, Full Speed at High Level, with Dan Molen on bass. The album was released in 1978, but the record company Heavy Sound Records went bankrupt and the Valquist brothers reformed, or formed, sorry, their own label, Thunderload Records. Former highbrow guitarist Eddie Malm joined the lineup and Torbjorn... Ragnesjo replaced Dan Molen, apologies again, 
This lineup released the EP Metal Conquest and the two full-length albums Death or Glory and Stronger Than Evil before breaking up. In an attempt to reform, the band got together in 1985 with the single Monsters of the Night featuring bassist Andreas Fritz, but they split up again shortly afterwards. In 1987, the Valquist brothers kick-started the band yet again and recorded an album with ex-UFO bassist Paul Gray and guitarist Patrick Carlson. This album was never released, though. A tribute album for Heavy Load, Tales of the Northern Sores, was released by Underground Symphony in 2014. Now that's as far as the biography goes there on Metal Archives or Encyclopedia Metallum, but uh, I'm advised that the band was together from 1976 to 83, 1985, 1987 and 2017 to present, so I apologise I think earlier I said 2018. What did happen was the band got back together in 2017 in order to play the Keep It True Festival. And then they ended up playing Up The Hammers and they played Sweden Rock as well. And that's really all she wrote, for the time being anyway, for Heavy Load. But they did get back together, heroically reformed to play those old school traditional heavy metal festivals. And it's a nice story, isn't it? It's like a band broke up in the 80s but was... Um, persuaded to get back together for the love of the music for a small, those small traditional heavy metal festivals uh, kind of like a Sirith Ungol story or a Glacier story where the band was persuaded to get back together to make appearances at the festival so presumably uh, the band will play again in the future but at the moment as it stands we've got three full albums and we've got some uh, EPs and singles and stuff like that I'm going to play you a clip from the first album it's called Full Speed at High Level this is more of a Heavy rock album, but not quite heavy metal. A bit proggy in parts, I'd say. Uh, especially this song that I'm going to play a clip from. It's called Storm. It's 11 minutes and 32 seconds. It reminds me kind of of maybe Caress of Steel or Farewell to Kings era Rush. That kind of thing. And it's a good showcase for the early part of Heavy Load's career. Short-lived as it was, they did undergo some changes in sound. So this is a clip from the song Storm from 1978's Full Speed at High Level. Excellent. So a nice clip of early heavy load there with the song Storm from their 1978 debut album, Full Speed at High Level. And we move on in our quest. So they were going to release the album Death or Glory in 1982, and it represented a shift in sound. The band became, dare I say it, more commercial, certainly more melodic in their songwriting, their song structure, uh, catchier songs, certainly. And they would continue in that vein with their following album as well. But focusing on Death or Glory, 
There was a song that's definitely popular with Heavy Load fans. I've been able to determine from my bit of research I've done recently. It's called The Guitar Is My Sword. And this, if anything, is the anthem, I think, of Heavy Load. Uh, here is a clip from that song from 1982's Death or Glory. there so heavy load i feel didn't really focus too much on having a, a excellent singer like a not it's not a bruce dickinson it's not a rob halford it's not a, even a ian gillen or a, a tony martin it's um a ranier or ragnier valquist is a is a competent singer but doesn't steal the limelight with his singing and there is plenty of examples of gang vocals and multi-tracked vocals that uh, epitomise the sound of Heavy Load. And it's nice, actually, to see a band that are really good songwriters, very good melody writers, excellent musicians. The guitar is really good. But the vocals are not trying to steal the show. And Heavy Load never really did that um, with their vocals. It was more like an instrument in itself. And if it needed to be multi-tracked or it needed to be layers, then they did that. And it was never like... Um, out there in front and being the prime instrument or the prime attraction in the band, in the songs. Um, I'm going to play another song, or a clip of a song anyway, from Death or Glory from 1982. Uh, that song is Take Me Away. Now, the lyrics of this initially, when I first heard them, were kind of banal, repetitive, and I thought they were pretty poor. But, my God, if that song does not have repeat listening value um it's like there's quality of like of, a, of a, an 80s new wave in the vocals it's like uh, especially this part where it says face with disgrace uh, or rhymes face with disgrace which is obviously a now a, a rightly punishable with a prison sentence but back in 1982 maybe it wasn't as such a serious crime um so here's take me away which unfortunately rhymes the word face with disgrace but in spite of that uh there's a real unique 80s vibe to those vocals, and I just really like them. They really get in your head. An earworm, if you will. Excellent stuff there. Moving on to the final studio album of 
Heavy Load. This was released in 1983. It's called Stronger Than Evil. Many people consider this the best Heavy Load album. Uh, they're kind of an example of a band whose songwriting improved as they went on. They peaked and then they stopped. <laughs> There's not too many of those. Maybe Nirvana, I'd say, might be another example of that. But that's kind of all I can think of off the top of my head uh, right now. But um, yeah, there's excellent songs on this as well. There's one called Dreaming, which is a ballad. And this is reminiscent to me of maybe something like Frozen Rainbow from uh, Saxon. Um, but it kind of builds on that aesthetic. And it's a really nicely layered, nicely melodic ballad in the middle of a hard rock slash heavy metal album. This song is called Dreaming from 1983's Stronger Than Evil. stuff there and i'm going to finish off this look at heavy load with a song from the same album stronger than evil from 1983 this song is called roar of the north now heavy load were considered one of the first swedish heavy metal bands maybe the first viking metal band um one of the first or most prominent power metal bands so roar of the north really epitomizes all of those things it's we are from sweden we are embracing our history we are embracing our culture and this is us turned up to 11 and we are Heavy Load, and this is called Roar of the North, and this is one of the best songs on Stronger Than Evil, in my opinion. Great stuff there from Heavy Load. So I hope you enjoyed the first band in Farg's Quest. Next, we move on to Nestor, another band from Sweden. So Nestor first came to my attention, I think, through the new wave of traditional heavy metal albums. Uh, Full Albums YouTube channel, which is curated by Anderson Tiago, who I had as a guest on Feckin' Metal back in uh, 20 might have even been 2020 maybe 2021 anyway he's back in the archives there um, and i met him there at, at keep it true briefly just to say hello which was nice and nestor he posted about on his facebook page saying that he was looking forward to seeing them at keep it true rising but he was concerned they might be more of a steel panther rather than a twisted sister so 
before Nestor even played their first gig outside of Sweden, they had this reputation of being a bit of a joke band, a bit of a mess band, and they had this reputation of maybe being taking the piss and um, maybe not taking their music as seriously as some metal aficionados or hard rock enthusiasts would like a band to take their music, as in Steel Panther have their fans, but they also have a lot of detractors. Uh, Twisted Sister were obviously the more serious out of those two examples there and i think that's what anderson was going for uh, if you pick those two examples twisted sister they yeah they wore makeup and they dressed up like women but jesus christ they they packed a punch with their songs and personally i feel nestor did the latter they're more of a twisted sister than they are a steel panther and i think anderson felt the same as well after seeing them at keep it true they were my favorite band of keep it true rising as i mentioned on the last episode and a different episode of the feckin' check-in as well and they are my choice for a band that is truly new now this kind of as i said earlier muddies the waters a bit and what the criteria are for truly new i said previously that truly new is something that uh, a band which is formed from 2010 onwards and as we know nestor were around in some capacity from 1989 but they didn't really do anything i don't think there's anything out there you can actually find or get or play or stream or anything from the original incarnation of nestor so i am counting them as a new band now that might make me look like a hypocrite or whatever but anyway maybe it was a poor choice for the first band of this truly new section in the Ferg quest section of uh, feckin metal but fuck it anyway <laughs> next time I'll, I'll think about it better uh, but nestor released their album kids in a ghost town in 2021 and my jesus is that a fucking catchy album and it's just laden with irresistible melodies and irresistible catchy heavy rock music in the style of maybe a Def Leppard or in the style of maybe a 1980s Rainbow or something like that but really bloody good for 2021 um everything about them screams 1980s all of the songs scream 1980s and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean it in a very 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 good way so the song that's been making headlines the song that is currently at 740,000 plays on spotify is probably the song that if you've heard of them before this is why you've heard of them it's called on the run it's from kids in a ghost town released in 2021 and this is probably their best song in my opinion it's on the run As I said, irresistible melodies there, irresistible musicianship, and just excellent songwriting. And I have so much respect for a band, even if they're not heavy metal, and they don't have riffs coming out of their ass. To write a hard rock song like that, it's not easy. As um, Jonathan said, 
recently maybe it was to me in private or maybe it was on a podcast i can't really remember maybe it was on maiden a to z i really can't remember there's so much uh, conversations going on but um it's not easy to just write songs like that to just piss out absolute brilliant melodic hard rock songs like that so many try most fail it's why there's only a handful of people like Def Leppard and Whitesnake and um, other bands like that. Like, it's it's not easy to do that. It, it seems like it should be easy. It's like, oh, it's syrupy pop rock. Yeah, but you try writing that. Um, as Richie Blackmore famously said one time, I know this isn't a brilliant analogy, but something like, uh, oh, the interviewer is like, smoke on the water, that's a really easy riff. Those notes are like not very difficult. And he goes, yeah, but I'm the one playing them. And indeed, Nestor are the ones playing on the run from their 2021 album, Kids in a Ghost Town. One of the other standout tracks for me is the song 1989. It needs no further introduction. Here we go. Just, just beautiful. Uh, like, like on the run, irresistible. So that's gonna do it for Ferg's Quest, installment one. There wasn't much background to give about Nestor. Uh, I know we gave a bit more about Heavy Load, but basically Nestor, allegedly, ah no, not allegedly, Nestor formed in the eighties, broke up, didn't do much, got back together as older men in their forties, and they've hit the festival circuit now. They're from Sweden. They played their first ever gig outside Sweden at Keep It True Rising in November in 2021. I hope to see them all over the place over the next couple of years. Hard rock, heavy metal needs a nice melody injection like Nestor, in my opinion. But also, it's great to discover the old acts like Heavy Load and go back in time and look at bands that, you know, you you might have heard the name, but you never listened to. Or maybe some of you listening have never even heard of them. Unfortunately, with Heavy Load, you can't really get their stuff on streaming stuff. streaming services but some of their albums have been reissued recently and i think all of them are going to be reissued eventually as part of a reissue campaign so i'm pretty sure you can get stronger than evil and death or glory out there on vinyl or cd should you wish and as far as i know as far as i can tell from reading stuff online they will be reissuing the rest of their albums as well so uh, keep an eye out for the vinyl and the cd releases of those hopefully streaming will follow if not there's always youtube and Nestor is available everywhere. You can hear Nestor on Spotify or anywhere you wish to listen to their music as well as physical releases. Um, so, yeah, things are looking good, I think, for 2022 for Feckin' Metal. I have plenty of irons in the fire, plenty of interesting things planned for the future. And I am very grateful again to Tony Martin for taking part in the interview that I played earlier in this episode. Again, please let me know if this format is working for you doing an interview episode but also doing a Ferg's Quest section at the end of it. I don't want to make these episodes too long. I'm conscious of them being bloated. Contact me at Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter, feckin'metal at gmail.com or the Feckin' Checkin' Podcast Network on Facebook. That's going to do it for episode 50 of Feckin' Metal. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time.